Hey, y'all, this is Jerry Daniels, and you're listening to WGN Radio. The quintessential Southerner with a healthy dose of Wild West Cowboy, Charlie Daniels has released a new memoir, Never Look at the Empty Seats. If you don't like the way I'm living, you just leave this long-haired country boy alone. Daniel's legendary musical career spans over 60 years, won him a Grammy Award, earned him inductions into the Grand Old Opry and the Country Music Hall of Fame, and sold over 20 million records. His new CD, Memories, Memoirs, and Miles, Songs of a Lifetime, chronicles the musical journey of the Country Music Hall of Fame member through the years, and we have the man himself, Charlie Daniels, on the phone. Charlie, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, first of all, let me just say happy early birthday, my friend. You're turning 81 well, tomorrow, right? I turn 81 tomorrow. I sure do. I don't know where the years went, but they <laughs> sure did get by. <laughs> <laughs> so how does a country music legend celebrate his birthday? I'm working. I'm doing a concert in, uh, in Decatur, Alabama tomorrow. You know, my family and me, I have been gone on the road so much that we have we usually save up and kind of concentrate our celebrations. Uh, I've birthdays, anniversaries, and that sort of thing, we'll say, well, we'll just, we're going to take a trip to so-and-so or be off at such-and-such a time. We'll just celebrate it then. So we'll probably celebrate my birthday maybe in a couple weeks or something like that. (laughs) But that's just kind of how we do it in my family. I hear you, man. It looks like Charlie Daniels' band is going to be performing over 100 concerts this year. How do you do that? How do you keep that momentum going, my friend? Well, that's not an uncomfortable amount of concerts for me to do. Actually, it's uh, I used to do more than that. I, I would I would hesitate to to take on any more than that, but it's comfortable for me. It's, I can handle you know a hundred or so dates a year, pretty easy. We travel comfortably. My wife travels with me. Uh, I travel on a bus, and I go to bed in one town and get up in another one and get off and play and go do it again. So it's not really. It sounds pretty grueling, and it can be. I'm not belittling the the amount of work it goes into it, or the the amount of effort it takes to get it done. But it's it's doable for me. Let's put it like that. Absolutely. I hope that I'm I'm moving as 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 well as I can at at 81. That's fantastic. <laughs> you know. Well, God has blessed me with health, and I'm very happy about it. Very blessed. Mm-hmm. So the first song on the new album is keep on the sunny side of life you know i was wondering how do you make this happen i mean how does charlie daniels start his day off i usually uh i get up uh i make a a pot of english breakfast tea believe it or not that's what i drink in the morning rather than coffee mm-hmm. i come and I, I have uh every day i do i have certain things i do on my twitter account i put a uh I put a Bible verse up. I put a prayer up. I put a saying for the day up. I uh, I get involved. I, my wife, and myself, we read our Bibles. We have prayer. We just have certain things that we do every day, and then the day starts. And I may every Friday. I'm I do what I'm doing right now. I do interviews. I talk to folks all over the country, and then tonight uh, at about six thirty or so, we'll leave. We'll go over to. The concert venue i'll do a well i've got a facebook live tonight so i'll be doing that and then i'll be doing a a meet and greet with a bunch of folks and then i'll go on and play a concert and i'll get back on the bus and take off to decatur alabama and do it again tomorrow night 
<laughs> wow. So when did you start this kind of routine? Did you switch over to tea from coffee at one time? And then do you find that meditating kind of helps your day move along a little bit, like when you're writing the Bible verses and saying your prayers in the morning? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of my life. We do it every day at home or, you know, at home or not. That part never changes. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as tea is concerned, it came about we were touring over in Europe. And we got ready to leave the country, and I still had some some English money in my pocket. Mm-hmm. I didn't have enough to go trade it, you know, to go to the bank and trade and, and trade it in for American money. But I said a few dollars, so we walked in the, in the duty free shop, and they had this box in there as a wooden box with tea in it, Beauty's Irish breakfast tea. And I kind of caught my fashion wife's side. We picked it up and brought it home, and I started drinking it. And I kind of got, really got into it, and uh, we found a distributor here in this country, so I've been at it now for years and years. Every morning, that's what I, what I prefer is the, is my, I want my, I want my Irish breakfast tea every morning when I get up. <laughs> That's really, really great because I've actually been trying to get into tea nowadays uh, myself. So to hear that the one and only Charlie Daniels is drinking it, maybe I should jump on board. Just go for it. It's a great way to start the day. You know, what do you, what kind of things do you eat during the day? Because you have this immense tour and you're doing these things every single day and you have a very busy life. It can't be steaks and eggs every single day, can it? No, no, no. We, uh, well, uh, we do eat out quite a bit. We'll have uh, some place, you know, that we'll, uh, if there, if there is a restaurant in the area we're staying in, we'll, we'll eat out sometimes. But we also have cooking facilities here on the bus, and my wife can make me, you know, can cook for me. Uh, we eat, uh, of course, we're big on cereal, stuff like that in the morning, but, mm-hmm. uh, we're up to, I don't know, whatever whatever she feels adventurous enough to cook. She can be frying bacon or, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, we, we got we got the stove and the, you know, the refrigerator and, and all. So we're, we live pretty well on the bus. It's, it's a lifestyle that you're into. I have two of everything. I have two hats, two belts, two toothbrushes, two, you know, razors and uh, toiletries and all this stuff because I leave one at home. And I leave one on the bus. So uh, I'm all equipped. Instead of having to pack everything, every time I go out, I'm ready to roll. We just get on the bus and roll. I I love that. You you know, that kind of leads me into my next question then. Your book really discusses a lot of traits that you have, a lot of life lessons. Um, What are some of the life lessons that you've learned over the years? Gosh, I've learned so many. I've learned that uh, you need you need to be serious about it. one of the people ask me, kids ask me sometime about, you know, how do you have a long career like you've had, or what about going into the music business? And I always tell them, if you don't, first of all, before you even consider a career in music, make sure you love it enough, put up with rejections mm-hmm. and the, the all the things that the things that you're going to sacrifice that you're going to have to make. Some people. Family going to be. I was away from my family constantly until 1983 when our son started to, to college and my wife started traveling with me. We were separated constantly. I was gone mm-hmm. a lot. Be sure you can put up with that. Be sure that you're going to miss your child's birthday and uh, maybe when they graduate from grammar school or uh, your your wedding anniversaries. You're, uh, you're going to if you're going to, if you're serious about it, and you want to do it. There there is no other way that I know of. So make sure that you know that you have in you what it takes 
to put up with these disappointments when they happen, or don't try it. If you don't think you can, don't don't go out and break your heart because it hurts. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you don't love it enough to to get past that, don't go. You know, just just stay home mm-hmm. and uh, play the lounges on the weekends. You know, just let it go with that. Yeah, it's it's very true. It's a lot of life balance with family and and friends and and you know just trying to chase that dream, I suppose. Right, definitely, it is, it is, and you know that's that's one of the things that I have learned is that nothing comes without a price. Mm-hmm. Everything has a price to it. Every, I, I'm sure this is the only profession I know anything about, but I'm sure every profession that you would want to do that you would want to get, you know. Go, go the extra mile in and, and make the extra to do. You're going to be you're going to be faced with that. So anything you go into, whether it's a music business or whatever trade you go into, if you want to, if you want to go to the upper echelons of it, you know the, the thing is that success is pyramid shaped. It's like in, uh, there's plenty of room at the bottom, but very little room at the top. And the closer you get to the top, the smaller the the space becomes. So you got to decide how far you want to climb, and then once you decide that, you got to decide, you know, what you got to do to get there, and then you got to stick it out till you get it done. So it's not an easy thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you've done so much with your life, whether it be inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame, selling millions of albums, and everything. Do you remember if there is one pivotal decision that you made in your life to kind of draw yourself to the top of that pyramid? I mean, was it moving from Kentucky to Nashville? Was it jumping on Bob Dylan's uh, band? Was it creating, you know, the singles that you did and, and going into the Charlie Daniels band? What was that one moment that you can point out? Well, basically it was all of the above, but you hit on the linchpin when you mentioned about moving to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was That was a big, big move. I was moving to one of the most competitive music towns in the world, you know, and to, to kind of basically start over again uh, to get away from what I had been doing, which is not a lot, I don't mean that, but it was an easy decision to make. I, When Bob Johnston, who brought me to Nashville, asked me if I'd like to move, I knew that I wanted to, and I said, let me ask my wife, <laughs> which took her all about five seconds, you know, to decide, and we moved to Nashville in 1967. And that was absolutely one of the best moves we ever made. I cannot imagine. I tell people when I leave Tennessee, I want to go to heaven because there's no other place than, than that that I want to live. And I, I had always wanted to live in Nashville. I always thought it was the best of the music towns. And I come to find out it is, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Uh, that's great. You know, I went to Nashville for the first time a few years ago, and I was just blown away by it. But what was it like in the 1960s to be in, in Nashville, right when it was sinking its teeth into music? I mean, in the 50s, it was really big, but in the 60s, it was a mainstay for music legends to move to Nashville. What was it like in the 60s? It, it was an exciting time to be there. It was Nashville was, it's grown exponentially since those days. It's uh, There's a hundred people a day coming to Nashville now mm-hmm. to stay. Yeah, And, of course, at that time, it was not that way. It was a smaller town. It was a smaller business. Uh, fewer people involved in it. Fewer record companies. Fewer studios. Uh, it's just, it was a much smaller music scene than it is now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, to watch that grow like it has over the years in the world, the music world is coming to Nashville now. A lot of pop people, the 
them in Nashville. A lot of uh, of people who don't even have never actually done country music coming to Nashville because it's such a great place to live. It's it's uh, a, some of the some of the uh, the states where a lot of music businesses are have very high. Te- we don't have personal income tax in Nashville. We don't have a uh, a state income tax in Nashville. Huh. Tennessee, I should say. Yeah. And you know the the living living is much better. I mean it's I mean it's, I say much better. It's much. There's more room. There's more country to get out into. There's it's, we got a professional football team, a professional hockey team, and a lot of stuff to do. A lot of entertainment. A lot of uh, it, it's just Nashville's coming apart. I'm not coming apart, but it's just busting at the seams right now because it's, it has been discovered. The whole southeast has been discovered. Basically, the I was in Texas the other day, and they were telling me how many people were coming there every year. Mm-hmm. So Florida and Texas and Tennessee and Alabama and Georgia and all the places have been discovered by the world as a, as a a great place to live, and people are just moving there right now. Yeah. So that brings me to another interesting point that you touched on a little bit. With music artists who basically come from Nashville, whether it be Brad Paisley or Taylor Swift, have gone kind of in a popular feel. I mean, Florida Georgia Line is a very popular country band right now, and a lot of their songs are kind of hip-hop, pop-based, and not so much touching on the old-fashioned country that you know so many people have grown to love and, and have loved over the years. What do you think about the state of country music right now? Well, country music has almost become an ambiguous word, mm-hmm. like rock did back when. Remember when rock started out, it was Elvis and Fats Domino and Little Richard and Chuck Berry and people, and it grew. It, it started in all kinds of different directions. It was jazz rock, uh, country rock, this rock, that rock. Country's kind of got that way. Country was a very small genre of music. If you look back, it was played with certain instruments, played in certain ways, and you know it was what was to be considered country was a very small, narrow band of music. Country music had always wanted to get the younger, younger demographic, but had never been able to. And this new rash of uh, of young artists, this new this new bunch, as they brought their personalities and their music into the business, has expanded to the point that. Young people like it, mm-hmm. so it's big enough. The, the music is big enough. The the genre is big enough to be a lot of different. Uh, as a lot of music morphed into, it's big enough now for for everything. It's big enough. They could be there's there's stations that play nothing but class um, the classic country music, the old country music, or stations that only play the new country music. Uh, as the genre grows and the amount of people who like a certain genre grow, I wouldn't be surprised to see that banded on. But music is constantly changing. It has to. Mm-hmm. If it if it uh, if it doesn't, it becomes like classical music. You know, classical music never really changed. I mean, pretty much. You know, you're not hearing a lot of innovation in classical music, so it's not really the. You know, it's not really something a lot of people listen to. I mean, a lot of people listen to it, but not like you do pop music, country music. So country has become a multi, a multi, I I can't say genre, well, I can't say genre, a multi-genre music now, that there's all different kinds of country music. There's rappy-type 
country music. There's mm-hmm. traditional. There's, you know, there's kind of rocky type stuff. There's southern style country music. It's bluesy country music. There's just all kinds of country music, and that's that's how the, what has happened with the genre. It's just expanded. Absolutely, it's 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 interesting um, th- that you mentioned the fact that co- classical music hasn't really changed because it hasn't, and you need to evolve to make things happen. What are some of the el- right. what are some of the music artists uh, from today that you're listening to, or what do you listen to when you're on the road? You know, I don't really listen a lot. I'm so in, in what I, I've always got a song working or a story working. I write uh, uh, columns for my website. I'm always doing something. And I don't particularly turn the radio on a lot to listen to, you know, to music. Uh, but I listen to whatever I want to. It, it could be anything from Charlie Parker to the 1812 Overture to someone running the Bluegrass Boys. You know, whatever I'm in the mood to listen to, I put no blinders or no special things on my music. I don't particularly care what it is as long as it's good and as long as I like it. Uh, I'm have to listen to whatever. I don't care if it's top ten or Never made the charts as long as I like it. That's what I listen to. Do you ever watch any movies or listen to listen to podcasts or read any books? What are some suggestions you can give to our listeners? Oh, I read. I read constantly. Yeah. But I read mostly. I love. I love. Uh, I love fiction. Mm-hmm. I, I read fiction mostly. And I read. I love the Cold War era. I love Robert Ludlum and Ken Follett and uh, you know Graham Greene and uh, the people that wrote about the about the Berlin era when it was us and the Russians, you know, kind of duking it out behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, but I like, uh, there's a lot of things I like. There's a lot, I like a lot. I read fiction constantly. I love that. It's 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 very interesting. I love those, that kind of, um, I guess, like the Cold War era too. World War II books a lot is what I get into mm-hmm. most of the time. Uh-huh. It's very interesting. What do you think about this crazy uh, world we're living in today? Do you do you see any parallels between um, what's going on in the past and what's going on right now? Because it seems like we're living in a little bit of a fiction ourselves now nowadays. Well, you know, we it, every day this world changes every day, mm-hmm. and it's to the point that I myself I don't my age or that I don't want to acknowledge a lot of stuff or whatever, but I I have lost, I can't say contact, because I do stay in contact. I know what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. but I no longer understand it. I no longer understand a lot of the people. Uh, I don't understand a lot of the movers and shakers. I don't understand the politics. There's where a lot of these people get their motivation and how bigger lies people are swallowing nowadays is really just you know it's it's hard for me to to grasp. It's hard for me. There's various things that you hear about that are obviously. I hear politicians not yakking about stuff. You know that I've been on this earth for for eighty years, soon be eighty one years tomorrow, and I'm, there are a few absolutes. You know, and when you go against those, it's uh, People trying the same old things over and over again, making the same old tired promises to people that have to live in ghetto situations and that sort of thing, and they promise them and promise them and promise them. They promise them job opportunities. They promise them better housing. They promise all this stuff, and they do nothing, and the people keep electing them over and over and over again. I don't understand that mentality. I literally don't. I don't understand the... 
the idea that people have, I don't understand what's going on with the crime in our country. I don't understand why we put up with it. I don't feel that we have to. Uh, I feel that that there's things happen in this country that I, I simply cannot grasp and do not understand. And basically, just got to the point to where I will not be disengaged. I don't mean that, but there are things that I can't do anything about. So I'm going to do something about all the things I can and just have to leave the rest, let the rest go and live my life, my beautiful, wonderful life with my beautiful, wonderful wife and son and my friends and the people who have been in my band for 40 years mm-hmm. and the people I can depend on, in other words. And, you know, just let the rest go because there's, there's, there's nothing I can do about it. But it's just so much that I really do not understand. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I'm right there with you, Charlie. It's it, it, This has been a total pleasure. I'm going to keep you for just a few more questions here. Thank you again for joining sure. us here today. Um, you know, your new, in your new book, Never Look at the Empty Seats, you discuss a lot of life lessons for folks. And, I mean, you're such a thoughtful, genuine person, and I really am enjoying this conversation. But I wanted to know, what do you think you would be doing right now if music really never entered into your life? You know, I am not much of a what if person. I found out a long time ago you can, you know, you, what if you you start thinking the sky's going to fall in on you after a while. <laughs> what if this happens? What if I, I've been in situations, you know, that when we were in Iraq the first time, uh, we were riding over Cider City and uh, close to base, and we're in a helicopter, mm-hmm. and we got shot at, you know. Jeez. Uh, and if you stop and start thinking about, well, what if? What if that bullet had been a little bit closer? What if we hadn't had the armor on the on the helicopter? What if, what if, what if? And I never would have gone back to Iraq again. But as it was, you know, I just said, hey, it happened. It don't mean it's going to happen again. And, you know, I got the good Lord looking after me, so I'm going back again. So I went three times. Wow. You know, you, that's, the, that's the point is that you, after a while, if, if you keep thinking what if, you'll finally go in the bedroom and get under the bed and close the door. Because there's always a danger. There's always a a risk. There's always something. If you think, well, what if the, you know, what if that card's been one inch closer to me or whatever? Just accept it as what it is. That you know it was not your time, and that you know you're not going to leave here until it's ready for you to go, and you know, or whatever you have to be thinking about, and just accept it like it is. Go live your life. Don't let life intimidate you to the point that you're afraid to go out the street. Yes. Uh, very, very, very true words. Uh, I'm going to ask you one more hypothetical question. Uh, I wanted to know, what kind of advice would you share with a young Charlie Daniels when you were coming up in the music industry? You know, I would say the same thing I would say to anybody else. Follow your dream. Do the things that you know are right. Uh, treat everybody like you want to be treated. Uh, don't you're going to meet the same I've seen people in this business that literally got too serious about themselves and literally thought they were they, they was going to last forever they treated people rotten mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden they're not doing well and people are just ready to put their foot on their head and push them further under the water mm-hmm. uh, you meet the same people on the way down you meet on the way up and you're rate of descent is going to depend directly on how people, how you treated people, because a lot of the people that you treated bad are going to be in positions of power 
by the time you get, you know, time you start down the track. And if you've not been good to them, they're not going to be good to you in most cases. So that's, I can't, of course, that's a golden rule. That's how God tells us to live. That's what we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. So it's nothing new. It's just uh, follow the golden rule. Treat everybody else like you want to be treated, and it will come to you. Very, very, very true words from Charlie Daniels. You can pick up his new album, Memories, Memoirs, and Miles, Songs of a Lifetime. You can pick up his new book, Never Look at the Empty Seats. Charlie, you are doing so much right now. Um, so we are a station based here in Chicago. We, we love you very much. And I wanted to know, what kind of memories do you have coming through the city of Chicago? You know, I have members that we played at one time held the record on attendance at the Chicago Fest mm-hmm. when it was on Navy Pier. Yeah. And that was back about the time we had that out of Georgia out. And it was such a thrill to me to be, I'm a small town boy, and to be accepted in a city the size of Chicago, to be accepted that way, was as to this day, is a very special memory to me. Absolutely, absolutely. And we are excited to have you back. Go and pick up his album, pick up his book. Charlie, thank you so much for joining us here today on Sound Sessions. Thank you, my friend. We'll do it again. You don't like the way I'm living. You just leave this long-haired country boy alone. That's a, that's a powerful radio station you're working for, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm very, I mean, it, it offers me the opportunity to speak to people like you. Well, bless your heart. I used to go by and sit with, uh, well, Bob Collins when he was on the air there. Yeah. And, and uh, um, Johnny, Stephen Johnny. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I got a, I got a little, his, little history with your station. And I'm <laughs> glad to carry it on with you, my friend. 